right. Well, the book of Matthew, chapter number five, as our children are dismissing. Once again, of course, our younger age children, they have a nursery in the back. And our older age kids will be up here with Miss Tori in the front. And she'll have a class there for them. And we'll be turning to Matthew, chapter number five. I will try to speak with an adequate volume this morning. I'm going to attempt to leave our fan on. I've been trying to turn that off, but it helps so much keep it cooler in here with the thing on. So I'll try to talk above that. I hope it's not too much of a distraction. But Matthew chapter number five. And we're continuing our lesson. For those of you that remember, we're continuing our lesson on kingdom living. And it has to do with the whole idea of Jesus Christ when he was, he was here on the earth. He preached what he called the kingdom. It was the gospel of the kingdom. He preached the kingdom. And that really tripped up a lot of people. They're like, oh, man, great. The, the Messiah is here. The king of Israel is here. And they were looking for a governmental, judicial type king that was going to rule and reign over them and liberate them from Rome. Now. I will say one day Jesus will sit on that throne and we're looking forward to that day. I'm going to get to see him sitting on that throne and that's going to be great. But that's not what Jesus was really preaching at that time. He was preaching that he wanted to save people from their sin. He even said that. He came to forgive people of their sin and he wanted to present that kingdom, not necessarily judicially, but he wanted to present that kingdom spiritually. And this is what we said. It would be like me as an American saying, you know what, I'm going to travel over to Australia. I'm going to travel over to Great Britain, wherever. And when I go there, I am bringing my Americanness with me. People are going to see that guy and they're going to say, oh, yeah, he's an American. He, he talks like an American. He thinks like an American. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're supposed to think like children of God's kingdom. We're supposed to act like children of God's kingdom. And as we live and walk and talk in this daily life, we should be representatives of God's kingdom. Though we've never been there, we should still present that to those around us. And Jesus preached and taught how we are to do that. And we've been going through the Beatitudes as his first lesson. This is a lesson that Jesus himself preached. And we've been going through these one at a time, talking about these things that Jesus said that are totally contradictory to the way that everyone else thinks. You know, when we talked about how a person should be uh, mournful, but we mourn over sin. We talked about how we should be poor in spirit, which just means it's good to be humble. Uh, we talked about what it means to be merciful. We talked about being pure. Today we're going to come to verse number nine. And Jesus gives us another word that is very much an attribute of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter five, verse number nine. The Bible says this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, I want to go ahead and get this out of the way right out of the beginning. Because with this out of the way, it'll help me get through what, what the Bible is teaching. Typically, when we think peace, we think war and peace. We think you have, you have conflict, and then you have the absence of conflict, okay? That's not the kind of peace that this is talking about. If you think that way, 
you will come out thinking that, oh, Jesus says you're supposed to be a pacifist and it's not okay to ever go to war. It's not okay to ever fight. Wrong. Well, how do you know that, preacher? Because look at all the things that, the, that Jesus, or God rather, sanctioned in the Bible that are war. I mean, you go to the Old Testament, God sent his people to war numerous times. When Jesus comes back to this earth, he's coming with a sword. And he is going to fight and defeat evil and wickedness. Jesus is not a pacifist, okay? Now, when I say pacifist, I mean strictly in the terms of it's wrong to ever you know, have conflict. I mean, goodness, man, when Jesus was here on the earth, he went into the temple and saw those money changers. The Bible says he went, he didn't go grab a whip. It says he went and took the time to make one. And then he went and flipped over their table and drove those guys out of the temple. That was an act of violence, okay? So when I say peace, let's go ahead and qualify this. Peace is not the absence of conflict, okay? Peace is not the absence of conflict. It is peace of heart and mind, sometimes during the conflict. Okay? Now, the absence of conflict is peace of heart and mind, sometimes during the conflict, but certainly within our heart and within our mind. We could even say the tranquility of heart and mind. And I'm going to prove that to you. With that in mind, let's talk about how we can have the peace of God and then how we can be peacemakers and cause others to be at peace as well. That's what we want, okay? We want to learn to be peacemakers and show people how they can have the peace of God. Let's first talk about how we can have it. Let's go to Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 6. Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 6. A lot of people call Philippians the book of joy, and it is. <laughs> if memory serves, this was written from a prison cell, the book of joy. Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 6. I'm going to start verse number 5, but I'm going to read 5, 6, and 7. The Apostle Paul here is talking about your conduct towards others and how you can have a tranquil demeanor. People can look at you and say, man, that guy, he's just got... He's got a peaceful way about him. He's just, he's just never bothered by anything. He's always level-headed. You never see this guy lose it. How is he so peaceful? Philippians 4, verse 5. Let's read it. Let your moderation, I'll qualify that word in a minute, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, this is what we're talking about. The peace of God. I think with all of these things, we need to say the word of God after it. Because, hey, how am I supposed to love my enemies? You show them the love of God. How am I supposed to be merciful to those people that are doing awful things? You show them the mercy of God. How in the world am I supposed to have peace in the midst of all this? You need the peace of God. See, th those are different than, than the normal types of things that we talk about. So how does the peace of God keep me? 
Here's how this, this passage works. If you do verses number 5 and 6, then you will receive the peace of God, verse number 7. Okay? Let's look at verse 5 and 6, and then we'll see how verse number 7 comes into play in your life. So verse number 5. The Bible says this, first of all. This is how God grants peace. If you're keeping notes, this is Roman number 1. God grants peace. How does he do it? Verse 5, the first thing you've got to do is this. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Moderation simply saying this. It starts with a choice of our conduct. We need to choose things that we should and should not stress about. And really, when I think it comes down to it, there's really not much we really should be stressed about. Let, let me give you an example. This is something I love. A, a, lot, of, a lot of you folks know I have to work at nighttime sometimes. Um, <laughs> quite a bit, actually. Here recently, when, when it's this time of year and things, well, not today, but when things start getting really, really clear out, I love being outside in the dead of night and being able to look up and just see so many stars you can't even count them. I mean, the stars that normally you don't even see unless it's super dark out. And then I think to myself, man, in the grand scheme of things, I'm a little peon. Like, I am nothing. And, and I think about how God just spoke, and all of these things came to be. He is that great, and He's that powerful, and I am so small, and I stress about this little small aspect of my life that I'm going to forget about a month from now. Right? See, that is a choice that I make. There are some things that I stress about, and the only reason I'm stressing about them is because I keep bringing them back up on my own. Why do I keep talking about it? Why do I keep chewing on it? Why do I keep mulling on it? And then, then I realize I'm showing that to everyone else around me. Have you ever met someone that it's almost like they're just never having a good day? <laughs> I, I hope I'm not that person. But have you ever met someone, no matter when you talk to them, man, how are you doing today? I could be better, you know. Oh, man, it's sunny out today. Yeah, well, it's not sunny enough. Yeah, well, whatever. They'll find something to be upset about. The Bible says we need to be the opposite of that. Look at the first verse again. Let your moderation, that's talking about, that's talking about the attitude of your general demeanor. You are a moderate person. Everything that comes in and everything that goes, you have a gentle understanding of that, and you are simply moderate. And that moderation is known to all men around you. It should be your reputation. The man, that guy, he just has a general understanding of life. I remember there was a girl, this was, this was a gal, I haven't talked to her in years. This is probably 12 years ago. She was, I want to say, uh, um, she was a nurse in like intensive care, like intensive care nurse or something. And, and I remember I was having a conversation with her. And she was talking about how doing that job puts things in perspective. She's like, you know, I started this job and it's almost like every other day I see people's lives that are put on hold and sometimes even stop. And I see people that are in some kind of a car accident and they lose their lives. And then I think to myself, why am I stressing out over this little problem I've got at my house? You know, th this thing that really in the grand scheme of it all doesn't even matter. And she talked about how it gave her a sense of perspective. 
And then when I think of that term moderation, I think she's got it. She, she understands perspective, things that we let bother us that shouldn't. That's what Paul is even saying here. Our moderation should be known unto all men. And then he even qualifies it at the end. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. So, when your perspective of your entire life is this, the Lord's at hand. The Lord's at hand. Hey, God's got this. I don't know how he's going to work it out, but God's got it. And if I can live and think with that mentality, that moderation is going to come, and it's going to be shown before all men. So first, I need to have that gentleness. It's also in the sense of this. I would, I would give you a real quick other idea. Don't be someone that walks around with a chip on your shoulder either. Have you ever also met those people? Man, they're just looking for an opportunity to fly off the handle and get angry about something. However, you've also got other people where you could just walk up to them out of the blue, punch them in the face, and then they're like, well, that's what you had to do. (laughs) You know, sometimes those people are really annoying too because they just never get upset about anything. But I think that's where the Lord wants us to be, someone that is generally has a moderate spirit because they know God's got this. So we need to also stop worrying. Let's look at verse number six. Worry. Man, worry, worry, worry. Be careful. Okay, I'm going to stop there for a second. Careful in this sense means being full of care. It doesn't mean like when when me and my son were down at the river the other day and we were trying to cross over the river and the river was starting to get kind of fast and talking about like making sure you're you're, you're sure footed hey be careful don't fall that's not the idea how about full of care where why are we so full of care over these things a little bit different be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto god so what am i supposed to do Ladies and gentlemen, you've got two choices. When, when you're on your path of life and roadblock shows up, oh man, here's a massive roadblock, what am I going to do? you got one of two things. You can load down your heart and mind with care. Oh, how am I going to get over this? How am I going to get around it? Man, I can't, it certainly can't go through the thing. What am I going to do? And you stress and worry and worry and worry. Or you can do what the verse says by prayer. Lord, I know you take care of me. I thank you for bringing me this far. I know you're in control. And I am going to request that you remove this for me. And after you make that request, all right, Lord, now it's in your hands. You you see how that works? Because he says, be careful for nothing. The only way that care goes away is if everything is by prayer and supplication. He says, let your request be made known unto God. Man, you've already asked God about it. Put it in his hands and stop worrying. It would be like this. I find myself turning into that pastor that always talks about his kids because his kids are the most perfect examples ever. (laughs) But it's true. It's like this. It would be like me going on a road trip and my son in the back seat. Dad, do you know where we're going? (laughs) Yes, son. (laughs) Are we there yet? No, son. Dad, are we going to run out of gas? No, son. Yeah. 
It's not my son's place to worry about those things, is it? Why? Because dad's got it. Dad's going to get him where he needs to go. But oh, how much we are like children in the vehicle of God. God has got us on a path, and he's leading us somewhere. And if something comes up, the Bible says, it's not my place to worry about it. And if it is something that I have to deal with, I'm supposed to go to the Lord. Lord, I need you to fix this for me. I'm trusting in you. I'm going to do my best to work on it, and I'm going to do whatever I can, but I'm not going to worry about it because I know you're in control. You see how that works? Now, I'm not full of care anymore. That's when verse number seven comes into play. When we do that, it's like the verse continues. Or the, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Man, now Jesus is able to calm your heart. He's able to say, listen, don't worry about it. It's under control. <sighs> okay, Lord, I know you've got it. And there's a reason that Paul said it passes all understanding. Because it's not something that someone without the Lord is going to understand. Because all around you, you can have people in the exact same situation, and they would be losing their minds, pulling their hair out with worry. What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? Then all of a sudden, you've got some guy over here that's just stoic and composed. And no one else is going to understand it. I mean, how are you able to keep such composure under that? The Lord gives me peace. I don't understand it, but he's got it. And the thing is, that might even come to the point where you are even okay with the fact that this might cost you your life. That's okay. As a matter of fact, that'd be all right with me anyway, because I can leave here and go on to be with the Lord. <laughs> that sounds pretty good sometimes. You know, well, what are they going to do? Promote you to heaven? That's how I call death. At, at best, they're going to send you on to heaven. So that's why I think the Apostle Paul, even being chained up and being beaten, he can say, you know what? I can be careful for nothing. God's got this. So ladies and gentlemen, the peace of God, that is something that he will grant you. And I think that comes from me understanding God's authority over my life. Um, illustration I used to use a long time long time ago. I haven't used this one in a while. I've got this car that's out in my, uh, in my garage. My, my boys are too big for it now. I've had this thing probably, oh goodness, I guess seven years. Anyway, you know how kids play with like remote control cars, right? You know, they, they can drive the little car around. Imagine that, but big enough for you to put your child in. <laughs> this was my toy. So we, we could put our kids inside this little car, and then I could drive him around. <laughs> I used to like crash him into walls and stuff too. It was fun. He didn't get hurt. You know, it was just, it was really slow. But so you could either do that or you could flip a switch and give him control and he could drive around. But I used to drive my son around inside this little car inside the house and, you know, and he thought it was great and I thought it was great. Funny illustration about this. So long as my son was in the car, I could drive him wherever I wanted him to go. As soon as he got out of the car, he was now on his own. And folks, the more often I think about that, the more I see that's where we stand with the Lord. 
if I want to be led of the Lord and be in his perfect place, I have to let him be the one that's guiding me. I have to say yes to where he goes. I have to willingly, as it were, stay in the car. But if I so choose, nope, I've got this life. This is me. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to solve this problem on my own. All right. But what you're doing is inviting your stress. You are inviting worry. And you are borrowing troubles that you don't have to worry about. So what we ought to do instead is cast those things on the Lord and realize that he can have prevalence and take care of all those things. So this is how we can have peace. I'm also going to say this. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a child of God, you should also love peace. You should want peace. You know, what we should, and I think deep down we all do, but I think we'll also, when we talk about being a peacemaker, we should want to see that peace in other people's lives as well. How can I show others that peace? I want them to see it in me so they can likewise have it. I need to be a demonstrator of that peace. So let's switch gears here just a little bit, and we're going to talk about how we can do that. Let's go to Romans chapter number 14. Romans chapter number 14. You know, I think it would do us well to maybe go outside and look up at the stars a little more often and just kind of help us to remember. <laughs> Those stars was a half a sentence in the book of Genesis. If you go back and read that, it talks about God spoke and made all these things. At the end of the sentence, God goes, and he made the stars also. And <laughs> look up and say, wow. You know, all of that, half a sentence. It's pretty cool. Romans chapter number 14. Let's read verses 15 through 19. Romans 14, verses 15 through 19. This is going to be a major shift in gears, but I want you to bear with me because now we're talking about how we can show peace to others. So Romans chapter 14, 15 to 19. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, yeah, we're talking about food, now walkest thou not charitably, Destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God, remember we're talking about the kingdom, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace. See that? Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after things which make for peace. Oh, peacemaker. Let us follow after things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. All right. Now we're going to talk about peace between, again, this is not judicial peace. This is not wartime peace. This is talking about you bringing peace into a fellow Christian's life. And maybe, maybe sometimes we even take peace away from others. Let me give you the narrative and why it talks about meat. You've heard me use this illustration before because it goes across so many things. I'm going to use steak because I like steak. <laughs> and we're in cattle country, so we can talk about steak, right? There was this thing that was happening at this time 
where culturally they had these false gods they would worship, and a lot of these places still do. What they would do is they would go to these temples of these false gods, and just like they would do for the Lord, the way the Bible says, they would take animals and they would sacrifice cattle, and they would sacrifice livestock to false gods. All right? Now, the sacrifice has been made, and now they have all this meat laying there. Like, all right, well, now what do we do with it? Oh, I know. We're going to take this to market, and we're going to sell it. And so they did. They would, go, they would finish up their pagan ritualistic ceremonies, then they would take this meat, and they would go to market, and they would sell it. Now, the question of the day was, is it right or wrong for me to buy and eat this meat? That's what these Christians were trying to figure out. Hey, man, this, is, this has been used in, in pagan worship of false gods. Is it right or wrong for me to, to, to buy this meat and to uh, support their practice or for me to eat this? Well, what, what should I do? And Paul is weighing in on the subject. This is under the, the admonition of the Lord, of course. The Lord guided this. Ultimately, Paul's instruction was this. Steak is steak. Meat is meat. What, what you take in, and this is what Jesus said, what you take in is not what is going to defile you. What the man takes in is not what defiles him. It's what comes out of the man is what defiles him. So Paul is saying, if you eat this, fine. You have liberty to do so. There's no problem with you just eating meat. But, this was his big but. But, if, however, you cause your fellow brother to fall into sin, and you cause him to stumble or maybe be wooed into those pagan practices because of you eating your steak, now you've messed up. You need to live in such a way that you are protecting the peace of others around you. We need not to live in a way that we're causing conflict in our brothers and sisters' lives. So now notice this conflict. I'm not talking about war. I'm talking about spiritual conflicts here. So that would be like me saying this. Um, I'm going to be super, super superficial. Let's say for whatever reason, everybody thought that, that Dodge, the company, was some kind of a pagan, wicked company, you know, whatever. And, and me, however, by, by somehow driving one of their vehicles, it, everyone looked at me as a supporter of their stuff. All right, is it wrong to drive a vehicle? No, I'm just driving a car. But what am I doing? I am now hurting my influence as a pastor to be able to minister to people. And if I knew that me driving a particular name brand of vehicle was going to hurt my ministry, I'd sell that in a heartbeat. Because that's useless. That is pointless. And that is nothing to be compared to the importance of being able to minister and to care for those around me. Does that make sense? So what am I doing? I am living peaceably with all men. I am looking for ways to cause peace. I'm making peace. Oh, well, well Pastor, aren't you at liberty to do what you want? Well, yeah. But is it really worth me causing that trouble? Okay, with that in mind, let's look at the Scripture again, and we're going to go through it, and I think you'll be able to see it more clearly this time. Think about the stake. So verse number 14. I'm sorry, verse number 15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, see, your brother's having a hard time with it, 
if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. See, you're causing problems. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good, see that which is okay, be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. That's not what the kingdom's about. But it is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore now follow after things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. That essentially is me saying, okay, if there's some kind of conflict that rises out of this, what do I care about more? Do I care more about being right or do I care more about living peaceably? Hey, let's, let's, let's take this one at home because, I mean, we're, we're humans. Let's just go ahead and talk about it. Husband and wives get into an argument. How many times is it honestly a matter of right and wrong? Really, when you get down to it, almost never. I mean, it's usually a matter of personal opinion. I heard, and you've heard me tell you this, I heard a story once about a couple that got into an argument over how to make a grilled cheese sandwich. Serious. One couple said, or one, one of them said, you're supposed to take butter and put it in the pan first. And then the other spouse was like, no, 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 you don't put the butter in the pan, you put the butter on the bread, then put the bread in the pan. And th that turned into just like this massive argument. I'm like, really? Really? Are, are you honestly going to get into an argument over this? There is no right or wrong. Point being, we get into so many arguments over things that are not even a right or wrong issue. What's the argument about? It's about me being right. I mean, let's, let's face it, that's what it's about. It's about me being right. I want my way. So what are we doing? Causing conflict over something that doesn't matter. What Jesus is saying is, I need not to cause problems over the meat. The kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink. That's not the things that matter. What matter is purity. What matters is peace. And I need to look at myself and ask myself, what can I do in this situation to cause peace and to show the peace of God? Ladies and gentlemen, bringing the peace of God and making peace in someone's life, sometimes that means me sacrificing. Maybe I sacrifice what I want. Maybe I sacrifice what I like. But I'm being in the, bringing the peace of God into someone's life. Can I tell you that Jesus Christ did that for us? I, I want to draw your attention to something. And this still to this day, I, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around it. But, but it's in the scriptures, so I believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, do you remember when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross? He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was praying. Do you remember the prayer that he prayed that's recorded in the scripture? He says, Lord, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, please show it to me. He, he was showing his, I don't want to say fear, because fear is not of God. But he was showing his humanness in where his heart was about the fact that he was getting ready to go and to be tortured and to be put to death. It's like, Lord, if this can pass from me, then let it, let it. Then he finished with this. And this is what blows my mind. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is equal with God, 
He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, O Lord. How Jesus and God can have two different wills is already amazes me. I don't understand it. That's one of those things I'm looking forward to getting to heaven so I can figure it out. But he says, not my will, but thine. What was happening is Jesus was saying, all right, Lord, we're going to do this your way. This is what you prescribed. I'll go to the cross because that's what you want me to do. What was Jesus doing? He was making peace. Not that he was at odds with God. But he did that for our peace. He sacrificed and he paid the price to bring peace into our lives. So we likewise need to ask ourselves this. Am I more often worried about being right and getting my way and doing what I want? Or am I more concerned with bringing peace into my brothers and sisters in Christ and bringing peace into other people's lives? What's more important? You know, we, we talked in Sunday school about having influence and how we sometimes need to have influence in other people's lives. And sometimes me getting my way will even ruin that influence. So ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. I said that to say this, or all, all these things. Being a peacemaker does not mean that you are a pacifist, it, especially when you're talking about war. That's not the context. The context is between brother and sister in Christ. It's between those that love one another. It's between marriages. It's between me as a minister of the gospel. I need to be someone that brings and presents the peace of God into other people's lives. So is there a time for war? Yeah. But if I can, should I make peace? Yeah. One more thought, and then we're going to be done. This one's really quick, but I think it's important. Ladies and gentlemen, this peace can only come from God. That's it. It can only come from God. And I'm going to show it to you out of Isaiah 57, 20. I'm going to read this verse, give you a real quick overview, and we're done. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Isaiah chapter 57, verse number 20. This, this chapter talks about someone who has the peace of God versus someone who doesn't. I'm just going to read the last two verses of the chapter, 20 and 21. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up the mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. Ladies and gentlemen, very simply put, someone that is living the life of wickedness, God's not going to allow that person to have peace. There's a, there, there's a, a proverb, and it's scriptural, that has kind of evolved a little bit over the years in the way we say it. It's a common saying now. It says, a guilty man runs when nobody's chasing him. And that's, that's true. A guilty man will run when nobody's chasing him. You know why? Because his conscience is eating him alive. He knows that he's done wrong, and he does not have peace in his heart because he knows he has debts yet to be paid. And ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what God is saying. For a person that has wickedness of heart, they're never going to have peace. And really, the only semblance of peace they might find, oh, well, 
Pastor, what about the person that has no remorse? Uh, the only thing to that is I'd say they've gone so far, they have now seared their conscience with a hot iron so they don't even feel anything anymore. But that's still not peace. That's just them being numb. There's still no peace. So folks, Jesus told us as we're showing the kingdom to others, we need to be peacemakers. Be someone that demonstrates peace, the peace that you have in your heart, in your life. Let your moderation be known to all men. Be careful for nothing. Don't be a worrier. Let people see the peace in you. And then, if you're ever in an opportunity where it's a matter of pride, hey, I'm, I'm having an issue with my brother and sister in Christ. I'm having an issue with my wife, whatever. Be someone that brings peace into their life. Listen, if you eating that steak is going to cause more problems than good, man, don't eat it. It's steak. What's more important? You getting to have that prime rib or somebody getting saved. I mean, that's essentially what it's coming down to. There are sometimes things in our life that, yeah, there's not a right or wrong issue. But if it's going to cause conflict and it's going to ruin my testimony, I don't have to have that. Let's be peace makers. Let's show people our peace, and let's be peacemakers. Folks, let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. And we're going to ask the Lord to help us with this, because here again, we recognize this is the peace of God. It's not something that I just have on my own. It's peace that God gives me, and I need his help to be able to show it to others around me. Our God in heaven, we want to come to you today, and we want to ask you to help us demonstrate your peace to everyone around us. Lord, these things that you've been teaching us, we, we can't do it on our own. We can't be merciful without your help. We can't be loving without your help. Or left to our own, we'll be full of pride and not humble. And Lord, I pray that today you would help us to be able to not be so full of worry and so full of care. I pray that we would cast all our cares upon you so we can have that peace in our hearts. And then, Lord, likewise, may we live peaceable with all men. I pray that you would help us to demonstrate that with those around us. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be your time to be able to do business with the Lord. If there is, if there is someone maybe in your heart and your life right now, you know that things aren't peaceable. Is there an opportunity that you have to be able to go and share that peace with them? Can you go and make peace? Why don't you right now, in the quietness of your hearts, ask the Lord to give you that opportunity to make peace. Or hey, maybe even this. Maybe you've been living a life that's full of nothing but worry and care. Whatever it is that's got you worried, man, cast that care on the Lord. Our God in heaven, I pray that you would help us to obey this command that you've given us, to be peaceful. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in our lives that we're not currently living at peace with, I pray that you would show that to us so that we can make and bring peace into their lives. And Lord, when the struggles of life come up, I pray you'd help us likewise to throw those things on you so that we can live and show that moderation to all men. And Lord, may we not live with worry, but that peace that passes all understanding.
So Lord, I ask that you'd bless us now as we get ready to leave. May we work on these things, not just hear them, but may we do them. And God, I likewise ask you bless us now in this next service as well. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening so well this morning. Um, real quick before you go, again, if you are a teacher, a parent, if you want one of these Patch the Pirate handouts that are kind of just talks about scheduling of events and how the whole thing is going to work, come let me know. I'll hand one to you. Uh, and don't forget the Christmas child boxes in the back. So, folks, as always, man, we love you. Always here for you. Uh, give us about 15, 20 minutes, and we'll, we'll be back for our next service. We're dismissed.